Good morning, people of God. What an absolute beautiful morning the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Special welcome to all of you who are here visiting with us. For those of you joining us online, all so that we can give thanks to God for all that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, for those of you joining us online, we'll be having Holy Communion. So we invite you to get some bread and some wine or juice following our time of confession this morning. A number of announcements. There's a lot going on. First off, a big shout out and thank you to all of you who made it possible yesterday with the, uh, the fall festival that we had. It was a blast. We not only had like 30 cars back there doing the trunk or treat, but there were fun and games all over inside the church. We even had a haunted youth room, which it's usually haunted, don't get me wrong, but they had black lights going on and the kids were, were so amazing just saying, okay, little ones coming through so the kids wouldn't jump scare, but if there were adults coming through, you better believe they jump scared. It was amazing. We had food trucks out there. We had live music. We had uh, a, a whole like farm. We've got like missing grass out there from all the goats and sheep and horses. It's amazing. The kids had a blast. So thank you. And if you missed it, you missed it. So make sure you, you, you know, don't miss that next year. Uh, once again, we are going to be taking our offering by passing the plate. So we're going to have ushers come down and we're just going to invite you to pass that down, uh, you know, to your neighbors. So not only with your offering, but also put your yellow slips in there. Uh, for those of you joining us online, there'll be a QR code at the end to help with your offering as well. And then we also want to be starting uh, communion, I believe in two weeks now, uh, doing communion in a different way, walking down the aisles again. So uh, we are always looking for, you know, people to help with that or uh, some altar guild people who set it up for a couple of weeks in a row. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, it's really easy stuff, but it's really important stuff. So either let myself know or Nancy in the back uh, and we'll make sure that uh, you get connected to that. Wanted to give the shout out that we are collecting food for the Macomb County Food Shelf for the next three weeks. We've got some boxes out on the entryway. There's a list out there of all the stuff to, uh, to grab, so it's just a lot of non-perishables. So as you're out getting groceries for yourself, you know, think of those who are less fortunate than we are this uh, today. Also wanted to share, um, Pastor Kelsey texted me an announcement this morning. There are still spots available for the Women's One Day Retreat this Saturday. October 28th from 9 to 4 at Skyline Camp. So you can join Pastors Kelsey and Steph from uh, Christ Lutheran Waterford for worship, food, a Bible reflection, gentle yoga. I like the gentle yoga part. That's good. And guided meditation. It's a perfect way to enjoy the fall colors and hit pause on your busy schedule. Registration is available on our website or you can talk to Pastor Kelsey for more information. All right. Uh, you'll notice, along with your uh, announcements and yellow sheet, we, you know, you got another little insert today. Uh, for, so for the first time uh, since being your pastor, which is uh, starting my 10th year in a couple of weeks. Holy cow. Uh, but for the first time, we are inviting all of us to participate in a stewardship campaign. And honestly, you know, just, yeah, being honest with you, I've always shied away from stewardship everything. Because, uh, one, I know how controversial it can be in a church, especially in a church when uh, people are talking about money. I've seen firsthand how uh, stewardship drives done poorly have caused people to leave the church. So I've always been hesitant. 
Two, I've always assumed that if I could just make church exciting enough or meaningful enough or important enough that people would just want to give. And three, I've never learned how to lead one, so I hate doing things that I've never done before because I just feel ill-equipped, if you will. So for all those reasons, I've always shied away from, from doing a stewardship campaign. But the more I thought about it, I've come to realize that in not inviting us to a stewardship opportunity, I'm actually hurting the church and keeping us from making a bigger difference, both as a congregation, as an individuals, and, and keeping you from caring more. Because I know all too well that from being a pastor and having a family of our own, we care about the things that we spend more time with or more money with. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's our theme for this campaign this year, moving faith forward with that scripture reading of where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's an invitation and an opportunity for this place and for these people to matter more in our lives. So let me start by saying this. Thank you. Thank you for all the ways you already support our church family. Thank you for the hearts that you have, for the ways that that you always show up in times of need, for all the ways that you care. I can't say I know a single person or family who comes here because... They feel like they have to. You all want to be here and a part of this family of faith, which I think is amazing. Our family does too. I know for a fact that we would not have stayed nearly 10 years if we didn't feel like this place was important. Putting all the cards on the table here and not being uh, a braggart myself, but I'm pretty much at the peak of my pastoral desirability. Okay, I'm not too old, not too young. I've got years of experience. I come with my own youth group, having four kids. <laughs> and in a situation where, uh, in meeting with the bishop this last week, there are no pastors available for churches going through transitions. We don't have a single available interim pastor. We have one intern in the entire synod, and that's Matthew Jewell. Of the, our very own who's serving up in uh, uh, KPAC. And so I know that uh, there would be opportunities right now for me more than ever before uh, for a church to, to, you know, steal us away or whatnot. There's a lot of places we could go, but both Pastor Kelsey and I feel so called to this place and to you that we are investing all that we have and all that we are into King of Kings. You matter to us. The things that we do matter to us, which is why we love that we have people willing to do outreach through our God's Work Our Hands team. We love that we can have important conversations like racism or uh, the, the, the LGBT community because we want to be there to help people who are underprivileged in our society. We love that our kids want to be here because they know that They are cared for and loved. I never once have to pull my kids' teeth when I say, hey, we're going to church for something. That's saying something for a pastor's kid. And I think that's saying something about all of you. Which is why our family will be increasing our giving this year, and I invite you to prayerfully consider to join us. In a world where churches are closing and struggling, we have something special here. And for us, it's worth investing. 
And we hope you'll do the same. Not because God or because the church needs your money, but because the work that we do together matters. And because each of you matter. So again, thank you for starting and for being on this journey with us and to figure out what all this means as we move forward together. Amen? Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able as we greet one another in the joy of the Lord. For those of you online, give a shout out. Say hello. Amen. Let's pray. Sovereign God, raise your throne in our hearts. Created by you, let us live in your image. Created for you, let us act for your glory. Redeemed by you, let us give you what is yours. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you, were, uh, if you weren't able to join us for worship these past two weeks, or if, tell you what, if you were able to join us, you would know that uh, we've wrestled with some pretty heavy scripture readings throughout the book of Matthew. And wouldn't you know it, today we get the next installment picking up exactly where we left off, where Jesus was sharing a parable of a king who kills everyone who doesn't accept his invitation and then throws a guest out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth because he didn't show up in the right outfit. That was our reading last week. Gulp. And if you missed it, you can check the recording out because I'm not preaching on that for a long time again. So last week's reading ended with the Pharisees and the scribes angry and calling for the head of Jesus. He had been a thorn in their side. He was messing with their power and with their rule and they wanted him gone, which brings us to, uh, well, the next number of verses that we just so happen to get to deal with, with Jesus, money, and taxes. Yay! Right? Now, I know April 15th is a long ways off, but she can never start talking about taxes too soon. Amen? Nobody's saying amen? What? (laughs) I remember uh, when uh, Pastor Kelsey and I first came to Michigan in 2008, and we were both serving our own congregations, and we were regarded as independent contractors, so we had to file our own taxes not once but four times every year. It felt like Groundhog's Day, right? The movie? Except for filing. That was our reality, and it was just, uh, it, it was something else. I mean, taxes can be a pretty sore subject for a lot of us, which is almost why we need to find some humor in it. Someone once said, death and taxes may always be with us, but at least death doesn't get any worse. I wonder if taxes were ever viewed as a laughing matter back in biblical times. Because the reading that we get for today, it wasn't very funny. And it was not a laughing matter. Where we continue our walk through the book of Matthew, now in the 22nd chapter. Like I said, picking up right where we left off. We stopped in verse 14 last week. We start in verse 15 this week. So I invite you to follow along on the screen together. 
Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciple to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in abundance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Boy, they're buttering him up here, aren't they? Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then Jesus said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the, thing, the things that are the emperor's. And to God, the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so in today's gospel reading, Jesus is asked this question. Is it lawful to pay tax to the emperor or not? And from what I can find about this tax, so we're going to take a step back here and learn from this, uh, uh, this opportunity here, this situation. From what I can find about this tax, it was a flat, a flat rate given to everyone who was uh, of age to give in the ballpark of what was known as a denarius or a full day's wage per year. And the thing about this tax is it wasn't so much about how much it was, but more about what it meant. The annual payment of this tax to Rome was a painful reminder that they were captive, that they were being ruled by foreigners who worshipped false gods. It was a slap in the face. And on top of that, the tax could, the tax could only be paid with Roman coins, which wasn't just money, but also propaganda. Every time they pulled out Roman currency, they would be reminded that they were a conquered people. Most of these Roman coins contained the image of Caesar, with inscriptions proclaiming him to be divine or, or the son of a god. One common phrase on coins used during the time of Jesus was, Tiberius Caesar, August, son of the divine August, high priest. In other words, the son of a divine god. This was blasphemous to the Jews. You couldn't be more offensive than this. And so hence, having to pay taxes with Roman coins raised a lot of issues, especially both political and religious ones, which then isn't surprising to see who shows up to ask the questions. We hear we have two groups that Matthew tells us show up to hear the answer for this question both trying to accomplish the same task of trapping Jesus. On one side, you have the Herodians. The Herodians were Jews who were completely on the side of the Romans and would support making people pay the tax. That was the political side. On the other side, you had the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Israel, who were against the tax and believed that the Romans should get out of Dodge and leave them alone. So herein lies the trap. If Jesus says no to the tax, the Romans have all they need to throw him in a jail. He's against Rome. If he says yes to the tax, the people were basically going to mob him saying, you're pro-Rome, 
and you're not one of us. You're a traitor to our kind. So now you see how big of a question this is. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Thus the trap is laid. And there's no way out of this one, right? Ha, 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 ha. Not for Jesus. So here Jesus walks right into this trap. And he not only doesn't fall for it, he even traps those who try to ambush him. In his response... Right? He always starts with a question, first of all, right? I mean, that's just what Jesus does. And he says, you, wait a minute, you're showing up to trick me, you hypocrites? And then he says, tell you what, show me one of these coins, which is brilliant. Because one, he asks them to show him a coin, proving that they carry that sacrilegious money. And two, when the Pharisees pull the coin out of their pockets, it exposes them to be the hypocrites that they're trying to make him be. They're the ones carrying around Caesar's money, not Jesus. They're the ones who has the emperor's image in their purse. They're the ones who've already bought into that pagan system. Brilliant. He hasn't even begun to answer their question, and he's already got them trapped. That's Jesus for you. But he doesn't stop there. He pushes forward, hoping to teach people of Israel more about God, his Father. He holds up the coin and says, Whose head is this? Whose image? And whose title? They answer, The emperor's. Then he says, Well, then give back to the emperor that which belongs to the emperor, and give to God that which belongs to God. So how do we know the things that belong to Caesar? They have his image on it, right? This morning I hold up a dollar bill for all of you. Okay, whose image is on the dollar bill? Oh boy. <laughs> so there's a class following worship today. <laughs> George Washington, right? Who's George Washington? We're definitely having... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, George Washington, the first president of these United States, right? He is the representative of our established government, or at least one of them, if you will. So give to the rulers what belongs to the rulers. As a part of the governing body in which we live, we obey the laws and we pay taxes to the government, that which is required of us. Whether we like it or not, it's that simple, right? All right. But then Jesus says, give to God the things that belong to God. So how do we know what things belong to God? They have God's image on them. The same word for image in today's reading is found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where it is written, Then God said, let humankind be made in our image. According to our likeness, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And again in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, this is the list of descendants of Adam. When God created humankind, he made them in the likeness of God. So, if we are to give to Caesar that which has his likeness on it, what are we to give to God? The things that are stamped with God's image on it. And guess who that is? Us. 
We are to give God ourselves. And here's the kicker. Not just a piece, not just a part, but all of ourselves. Doesn't it seem like we are way more willing to give to God when it's most convenient to us? But when it causes us to wrestle or to give up the things that we want to do, it's so much easier to walk away. But God has never called us to a life of convenience or even one of comfort. God has called us to a life of purpose and of meaning and of serving and of loving. And here's the deal. You can't just do that one to two hours a week on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or in your nightly prayers or around the kitchen table. This is a 168 hours a week kind of thing. Which if you have a hard time with math, that's all of them. We're also called to be givers of, uh, of our possessions, our wealth. Not only our time, but our money. I recently read the average Lutheran gives less than 1% of what we make into an offering plate. So many churches can't even afford a pastor right now, but it's not because there isn't enough money. We get trapped into thinking that 100% of what we have and of what we make is ours. It's mine. Right? I'll give you a great example. Friday night, the kids talked me into taking them to the uh, school trunk or treat at their elementary school. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, maybe it'll be a couple hours, whatever. We get there, <laughs> it's just a trunk or treat. Pure and simple. They were so excited, they got to walk around in their costumes, collect candy, and we went home maybe a half hour, 45 minutes later because they just they hung out with some friends and they were like, we're good. So we drove home. Upon coming home, the youngest in our family asks one of his older brothers, can I have some candy? And I would love to tell you that a pastor's kid was so generous and benevolent. But his first answer was, no, it's mine. You should have come, which he wasn't invited, right? But you should have been there if you wanted some. That's not my fault. It's your fault. This is mine. To which me, being the loving and benevolent and caring father, pulled my son aside and gently reminded him that the costume he was wearing was purchased by his mother and father. The clothes that he was wearing, which kept him warm that night, were purchased by his mother and father. The car in which he was able to get to the event was provided by his mother and father. So actually, all the candy in his bag was mine. Which then I asked him the question, isn't it easier to give something when you don't think it's yours? And I didn't have to force him, he did share. But later that night, it hit me. I wonder if God thinks the same thing about us. When we start to think... And to say and believe that, well, no, I earned this. This is mine. I put in the work and the extra effort. I worked hard to get up the ladder in life. This is mine. To which I can't help but wonder if God says, really? I have provided everything in your life for you. I have created all of this. I have even created you in your mother's womb. 
Whose is it? Now, I'm not here to tell anyone how to spend your money or how much you need to, to give to anything, but I think it's worth hearing Jesus today who tells us that everything we are belongs to God. And, if, and in everything we are and in everything we have, we are called to give back to God. We are but managers or, or stewards of all the gifts that God has given us. That's right at the heart of what stewardship is all about, which... I think it's sad how that word stewardship has, has become such a, a negative. It's been used as a weapon or it's getting such a bad rap over the years. Because that's what we are called to be, stewards. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were called to be stewards of God's creation. That's part of our image of who we are meant to be. Here at King of Kings, we need to talk openly about money and our responsibilities as Christians and as followers of Christ. Like I shared earlier this past week, hopefully most of you received a letter in the mail or at least the bulletin this morning to talk about this campaign that we're starting. We're going to have temple talks each week and an opportunity on Sunday, November 12th to uh, make a commitment to support our family of faith and for the whole reason why we exist, to share the love of Jesus. And as your pastor, I'm not here to plead with you to give me or the money or, or the church more money. I'm called to invite us to consider how we view the things that we have, the things that we've been given in our lives, and remind us that we are blessed to be a blessing. That's what I get to do. And to remind us that we are created in the image of a God who is a giver. So what does that mean? And to remind us that God will always refuse to settle for a small percentage of ourselves, our time, and our stuff. God wants it all. A hundred percent. A pastor by the name of Brian Stoffregan shared a story about attending a workshop on stewardship a few years ago. He, he shares a, a, about a presenter who made a comment that stuck with him. The presenter said this, I always make it a point to give more to my church through my offerings than I give to the government through my taxes. That way, I show where my greater allegiance is. About who has the greater authority over me. And that stuck with us. We do that same thing. Today is an invitation to struggle with who and what we choose as the authority in our lives. Because here's what I've learned. If we don't, that decision is made for us. Because the world has gotten really good at getting us tempted to think that they are more important. So today, let it be the day that we not only say to God, but more importantly to ourselves, what's most important in our lives. So the question brought before us is, how will you and I give to God what is God's? And not only today, but, but tomorrow, and every tomorrow to come. Because God doesn't want just a piece of us, nor should we be satisfied with, with only offering a piece of ourselves. God wants all of me. God wants all of you. And of that we can be even more certain than taxes. What an opportunity for us today. To say to ourselves and to this world, what matters most?
May we wrestle with this in the weeks and months to come throughout all of our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for this day, for this opportunity that you've brought us together, for all the blessings that we experience in our lives, our friends, our families, our homes, our our church. We ask you to send your spirit to uh, not only comfort us in our difficult times, but to challenge us when we have been comforted. To challenge us to think outside of ourselves, to dare to believe that who we are and what we are is more important than just us. We ask that you use uh, your word today and our worship to speak to our hearts and to remind us that this is really all about you and we just get to enjoy the ride. And so in all things, Lord, use us this week, not just a part of us, but all of us. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, amen. We now take a moment for our offering to respond to God and all the blessings that we've been given as well through the offering of this song. Stand as you are able, trusting in the transformative power of God's loving spirit. Let us now pray for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. At the end of each little prayer, I will say, merciful God, please respond with, receive our prayer. Let us pray. Faithful God, your spirit stirs the church throughout the world and binds believers near and far into the body of Christ. Equip us for the work of faith and enlarge our hearts for the labor of love. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Creating God, the seas roar, the earth rejoices, and the heavens are glad at the wonder of all that you have made. Bless the work of those who safeguard the riches of creation. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Sovereign God, you rule authority over the cosmos. Guide elected leaders and public servants with your wisdom and compassion. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Caring God, your arms enfold all who are lonely, oppressed, despairing, sick, and suffering, especially those who experience the reality of war and hatred bigotry. And for all those that we name now, either silently or out loud. Pour out your abundant mercy on all whom this world has neglected, abandoned, and forgotten that they may know your joy. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Almighty God, all of our lives belong to you. When earthly idols threaten to lead your church astray, remind us that you alone are the source of our eternal hope. Merciful God, receive our prayer. 
Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words through Jesus Christ our Lord as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and to acknowledge and confess those times when we have failed to live as God calls and invites us to live. And so we use these words together on the screen. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now, dear children, hear these words. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given over to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all of our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all of your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people say, Amen. This time I invite you to take out your communion kits or for those of you at home to grab your bread and your wine or juice as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. We begin with our wafer at the top. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace and all of God's people say, Amen. May you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. I also just have to admit... I love this part of the service, not only for communion and for singing the blessing and all of that, but it's always when my family shows up and my kids are running all over the place back there. 
And to me, again, it's just a reminder of the, the, the joy that they have, that they love to run around, that they love to ransack all the, tr- all the little candies that Nancy puts out, that they just love being here. And again, that's because of you. So thank you for all the ways that you are church to our family. With all that said, I invite you to stand as you are able. With that, people of God, may you go in peace and share the good news. Thanks be to God.